Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. Good to see you all. Have uh, Luke chapter 2 open in front of you, because that's where we'll be dipping into and reading as we go. Uh, It's wonderful to be speaking to you today, but we'll keep it short for the sake of my voice. Have Luke chapter 2 open and let's pray. God, our Father, we thank you again for the wonderful news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that all this year we have explored it and read it. And then we come to this time of the year where we reflect again on the wonder of the incarnation. That you, our Lord Jesus, became flesh, became one of us. Teach us now from your word as we read it and shape us in light of what we learn. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep Luke open. But listen to John 1. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Luke 2. There was no room for them at the lodging place. John 1. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Luke 2. And Mary wrapped him snugly in a cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. John 1. We observed his glory. The glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Luke 2. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. A pair of birds, because they could not afford a lamb. John 1. Jesus, creator and glorious Lord of all. Luke 2. Humble, poor baby. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's now the week before Christmas, and as we come towards Christmas, we have this funny time of year where there's this excitement, but also this busyness, and we kind of want it all to be over, but we're looking forward to it happening. I'm sure you're all feeling a mix of things right now as we head towards Christmas. Well, as we head towards Christmas as a church... It's only right that we stop and think again about what it means that Jesus came into our world as a baby. We're going to stop and reflect again on that wonderful news, that sometimes confusing truth, that the glorious Lord of all came into our world as a humble, poor baby. And I want us to do that in this this way by comparing these two different pictures of Jesus. These two images, wildly different images that we get of Jesus in the New Testament. That he is this glorious Lord of all, but he is also this humble, poor baby. So we're going to look at this picture, these two pictures, and ask why do we get these two pictures in our scriptures? So come with me, we're just going to look briefly through Luke and dip in at a few places and notice a few things. 
So we've been reading through this part of Luke in our gospel teams this term, and so I hope you're familiar with it. I hope you have remembered the things that we've seen. And I wonder if as you read and as you discussed it in your group, that you realised the humble and poor circumstances that surround Jesus' birth. Did you notice, for example, here's our first point, humble, poor people, that everyone involved in the story of Jesus' birth, Zechariah, Mary, Anna, Simeon, in the temple later on, did you notice that these people, well, they're not important people, are they? They're not well-known, they're not noteworthy, they're not young and hip. In fact, they're kind of old and a bit strange. They're just ordinary people, ordinary Israelites going about their ordinary lives and God chooses them for extraordinary things. Or think about the first people who came to visit baby Jesus. Who are they? Have a look at Luke chapter 2 verse 8 in your Bible. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night. It's not kings and celebrities who come to meet Jesus at first. It's humble, poor shepherds. Men who don't live a luxurious life. They don't sleep in a warm bed under a comfortable roof. They sleep in the open field with stinky animals. Or think even closer to home about these people, Jesus' parents. Have a look at Luke 1 verse 48 with me. It's just back a chapter. This is Mary's song of praise to God. She says in verse 48, He, that's God, has looked with favour on the humble condition of his slave. That's Mary. When Mary sings this song, she says, I am a slave. I am humble. My life is not flashy. My life is not important. I'm not big on the social scene of Israel. I'm a teenager, for goodness sake. I'm not famous or rich. I'm a nobody. Why should the God choose me to carry his son the Lord of all. So you can see, as we just dip into those few places in Luke 2, Luke 1, this baby boy, he's the Lord of glory, but he's surrounded by humble, poor people. He's born to a woman of humble, poor circumstances. Well, if we move on in the story a bit and into Luke 2, we find out a bit more about Mary and Joseph. And we find out about their heritage. So have a look with me. Luke 2 verse 4. Mary and Joseph live where? Well, they're from the town of Nazareth in Galilee. Now when we hear those words, Nazareth, Galilee, we say, yeah, Jesus of Nazareth rolls off the tongue. We think, Galilee, that's where Jesus lived. That's where Jesus did his ministry. Those places are famous, right? Well, not in those days. Back then, Nazareth, the region of Galilee, it was the middle of nowhere. It was way up to the north. So, so far from the land of Judea, God's promised people. It was so far from the capital, Jerusalem, the center of God's plans, where the temple was, where God dwelt with his people. And it was on the other side of Samaria, who were seen as half-caste Israelites. They're so far from God's promised land, it seems. 
And in John's Gospel, one of Jesus' first followers, do you know this passage? He hears about Jesus and he says, He's from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And not only is he from Nazareth, we learn in these verses that Mary and Joseph, they hail from Bethlehem, a tiny village in Judea. Not rich, not powerful. Yes, it had a special place in God's plans. It was the birthplace, the hometown of King David. But other than that, there's nothing special or important or significant about Bethlehem. So what does this show us? It shows us that this baby boy, remember who he is, he's the Lord of glory, the Lord of all. He's born into humble, poor heritage. He's not from the royal city. He's not born in the capital, Jerusalem. No, instead he's from backwater Nazareth. Born in a tiny little town called Bethlehem. His heritage is humble and poor. You could say he's like a modern day Westie, which I can say because I am a Westie. And we're all west of Bondi, so we're all Westies really, aren't we? He's from the middle of nowhere. Nowhere significant, nowhere important. Okay, we've seen Jesus surrounded by humble, poor people. We've seen his humble, poor heritage. What about his actual birth? Surely when the Lord of glory comes down from heaven to earth and is born, there would be fanfare. There would be the best medical attention. There would be doctors on call. There would be their own private suite. There would be a carpet rolled out. Read Luke 2, verse 7 with me. Then Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. No crowd of doctors or nurses mentioned. Actually, no one else is mentioned at all. No friends, no family. It's lonely. There's no luxury, there's no fanfare, there's no fancy golden laced crib for Jesus to be laid in. The only available cradle is a feeding trough for livestock. Now this is what leads us to think that Jesus, oh he must have been born in a stable. This is the popular traditional nativity scene. Now that may have been the case. But actually, we're not entirely sure what Luke means when he says there was no room for them in the lodging place. Was it a stable like this image, with animals all around? Well, if it was, it would have been much dirtier than this, right? But if it wasn't, well, what was it? Could it have been uh, that the hotels were booked out, and so there was only the outside of the hotel where the animals were kept? Or was it a very poor household and the only furniture they had to put Jesus in was a feeding trough? Whatever the room or the space that Jesus was born in, clearly the circumstances were humble and poor. Particularly because, as Luke tells us, there was no room for them. And I wonder what Luke means when he says no room. Was it simply that all the the inns, the hotels were booked? Sorry, too late, no vacancy. Or 
Was it that there was no room because no one would give them any room? Were Mary and Joseph so poor that they were outcasts, shunned? Or worse still, were they rejected by their own family who lived in Bethlehem? Were they shunned because of their premarital pregnancy? Whatever it was, there was no room for them. This royal family doesn't get the royal treatment that we would expect. There's no pomp, there's no prestige, there's no palace for this baby king. Only poverty and obscurity. And we can see, can't we? Jesus, he was born into humble, poor circumstances. Jesus, the word of God become flesh. The Lord of all glory, the creator of all things, he's born into humble and poor circumstances. He has humble, poor heritage. He's surrounded by humble, poor people. Clearly, from our two readings before, these these two pictures don't fit together, right? How could they? John goes to great lengths to tell us who Jesus is. He's the Word of God. He's God's full and final revelation of Himself. In fact, He is God Himself. God the Son, come down to earth to dwell among us. He's the Creator. He's the glorious Lord over all. He's full of grace and truth. But then we get this polar opposite picture in Luke 2. A defenseless little baby, born into humble poor circumstances, humble poor heritage, surrounded by humble poor people. And the question I want us to reflect on and to finish with is, well how do those two pictures fit together? Why did God choose to do things like this, in this way? Why didn't he decide for Jesus to be born into wealth, power, prosperity, prestige? Why did he choose these lowly, insignificant people? Why was the glorious Lord of all born as a humble and poor baby? Well, the scriptures, they give us many reasons. For example, God chooses the humble and poor people. He chooses humble, poor circumstances to shame the wisdom of the world, to show the world and its values to be the opposite of God's values. It shows that God values and desires humility in his people. As our Lord, he was also humble. And we'll think more about that next week. But the first, the most important reason is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a wonderful and memorable gospel summary from the Apostle Paul. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Jesus, the glorious Lord of all, he was born into poverty and humility. Why? For us. For our sake. Though Jesus is the eternal God, the Lord of all, powerful beyond all imagination, rich in glory, he chose to become a humble, poor baby. 
He endured the poverty of humanity and a poor human existence at that. Even more than that, he went to the poverty of dying on a cross for us. So that you, so that we, might be spiritually rich. Having every spiritual blessing in Christ. Forgiveness of sin, justification, right relationship with our Creator, the hope of eternal life, salvation from hell, the gift of His Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Just to name a few of those blessings we have in Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the good news of Christmas. The glorious Lord of all gave up His heavenly riches And became a humble, poor baby. Why? So that by his poverty, we, you, might be made immeasurably rich. Well, it's been a pleasure preaching to you for the first time since April. Can you believe it's that long? I can. (laughs) This year has been a struggle for me, and to be honest, it still is. My progress continues to be slow, my journey is not over, and I'm pretty worn out by it all. But I'm grateful to God so far for my recovery. And I'm grateful for the way that he's growing me to be more like Christ through my struggle. I give him the praise and glory for my recovery and for sustaining my faith through this. I'm thankful, and it's right for me to be thankful. But how much more thankful... Should I be for this? For the Lord Jesus? How much more thanks and praise and glory should go to our God and to anyone who will listen because of the good news of Christmas? How much more thankful should I be for my spiritual riches and blessings in Christ, which never fade over and above whatever physical blessings I have, which come and go? Today, this Christmas, and every day. Let's be people who fill our hearts and our mouths with thanks and praise to God. Let's be the people who proclaim His wondrous deeds to anyone who will listen. Because the glorious Lord of all, He was born as a humble, poor baby, with humble, poor heritage, surrounded by humble, poor people. And why did he do this? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich.